Well, hey, Hope City, uh, that's some incredible stuff that we saw in our recap video highlighting 2020, and, and Vision Sunday is a chance for us every year to kind of look ahead at the coming year. And one lesson I learned in 2020 is that we live our life palms up, open-handed before the Lord, that we make plans and agendas and, and have desires that we want to see come to fruition, but as we head into this new year, uh, that was a lesson I, I learned a lot, was you got to live like this, right? Not tightly fisted, grasping onto everything you want to see come to fruition. Uh, if we do that, we're going to be, man, we're going to be frustrated, we're going to be disappointed, and we're going to be clinging for my will and not God's will. But this approach, this is my heart as we head into this new year. I don't know exactly where everything's going to turn. And as this Vision Sunday, we are not laying out a 10-point plan uh, to certain things, and, and we're not kicking off 10 new life groups uh, that are going to be in living rooms starting next month, and we're not setting lofty goals and not telling you I'm gonna, we're going to launch a campus in Cedro or Mount Vernon. I mean, I think all of those things would be great. But as we look ahead as a church, I want us to answer this question, what are we what are we really trying to accomplish? What are we doing here? What is the point of the church? What is the mission of our church? And as we collectively talk and rally around that for a, for a little bit today, we're going to answer the why of the church, why the church exists, why we're trying to do these things, right? Uh, but, but eventually, I want to get us dreaming and thinking about what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, right? And who we're going to reach, with this mission of the church. And the mission of all churches, not just our church, I think hinges on what is referred to as the Great Commission. At the end of Matthew, Jesus, right before his ascension into heaven, gives this last command, last instruction to the disciples. And I think it's relevant to us as a church today in 2021, as it was for them back when they received it 2,000 years ago. Let's take a look at the text. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think it is vitally important that we revisit this passage periodically and be reminded of the why behind church. This is why the church exists, to go and make disciples right? And what does he say? By making disciples, what do you do? You're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're teaching them the words of Jesus, and you're teaching them to not just know it, but to live it, right? To obey the commands of Jesus. And, and as we talk about this today, some of you, you're like, I know the Great Commission. I've heard messages on the Great Commission. This is, this is simple stuff, Sean. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, it is pretty simple. It is pretty, pretty elementary, but it's also pretty essential, to what the church is all about and what our church is all about, which is the Great Commission, go and make disciples. That's pretty simple in and of itself. But just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. And just because it's simple doesn't mean everybody's doing it. And I'll illustrate it like this. Think about something else that's very simple. The idea of being a healthy person can be very simple on the surface, right? Eat healthy, exercise regularly. Eating healthy is pretty simple, like cut carbs, don't eat sugar, don't eat fast food, eat more protein, eat vegetables, eat fruit, right? Living a, a healthy lifestyle of exercising, that's pretty simple stuff, like go out and exercise, go on a walk, go on a run, lift weights, go do something, be active. That's simple stuff. 
But I can tell you from firsthand experience right now as a guy going through a very strict diet where I'm counting calories and drinking protein shakes and living on lean cuisines, I can tell you right now it is simple, but it is not easy. It is very difficult to do that stuff, right? If it was simple, everyone would do it. Everyone would be healthy. But the reality is, according to the CDC, 72% of Americans are considered overweight or obese. So yeah, living healthy is simple, but is it easy? No. Living healthy is simple, but is everyone doing it? Absolutely not. 72% of us aren't, right? I don't mean to condemn you based on how you feel and what your weight is and all of this, but the idea is there that it, just because it's simple doesn't make it easy, and just because it's simple doesn't mean everyone's doing it. And just because the Great Commission seems simple, go and make disciples, we should never diminish its value and its importance and, and how essential it is to the local church today. And what does he tell us to do in the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. Well, let's ponder that for a second. I want you to think about what is a disciple? What is a disciple? Because Jesus doesn't say, go and make church attenders, right? He doesn't say, like, go just fill your pews, fill your chairs. It's not about butts and seats. Go make attenders, right? It's not about go make viewers. It doesn't matter about YouTube views and counts and things like that. It's not what it's about. It's not what we're here to go do. It's not about making consumers. It's not about making Christians who check a box on Facebook. What is a disciple? He says, go make disciples. Let's think about that for a moment. What is a disciple? A disciple is, is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is somebody who is actively following Jesus. But Jesus, even in the Great Commission, gives us a few highlights, I think, of what a disciple can be. What are the three things he says? Baptize them, teach them, and, and teach them to do what? To obey. So it's in our baptism. Let's start there. A disciple is someone who's been baptized. And if you've been baptized, what is baptism all about? It is a symbolic representation as you go into the water and get dunked and you come out, it's a symbolic representation of what's gone on in your heart. Meaning you've experienced the love of Jesus, not because you were baptized, but baptism reflects the experience of being immersed in the love of God, being overwhelmed by the love of Jesus, experiencing uh, his forgiveness, his washing away of our sin. You believe in Jesus, right? You believe that he came and he died and he rose and he forgives you of your wrong. He forgives you of your sin. You've, you've experienced that. That's what, I mean, when he says go be baptized, you're not just saying go throw people in the river and throw people in a pool and dunk them. It's that, man, a disciple is somebody who's experienced Jesus. Then he says go and do what? To teach them. The disciples are learners. So it's not just experiencing Jesus. It is about learning about Jesus. A disciple is somebody who is educated about Jesus, is a student of Jesus. They're listening to the teachings of Jesus. They're learning more about these things. And it's not just intuitive like, oh, I think I'll figure this out on my own. It is that we have mentors, we have teachers, we have pastors, we have people in our life teaching us and instructing us in these things. So it's experience, but it's also about our education, right? our learning. And thirdly, that we are learning to do what? He says, go make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them to obey. That last part of obedience, that we be, a disciple is a doer, is active, is going to be engaged and not just going with the flow. Oh, I've experienced Jesus. I know about Jesus, but I'm the same looking person on the outside. No, you, you live different because of Jesus. It, it, your expression of Jesus is now changed and transformed because of that. That's what a disciple is. 
One who's experiencing Jesus, educated in Jesus, and expressing Jesus. This is what the church is made to raise up and make and develop. This is what we're called to do. Our purpose, our mission, if we choose to accept it, which I choose to accept this, right? A little mission impossible for you. This is a command for us to actively and collectively engage together as a church. I love it because it's not just you doing it. It's not just me doing it. It's not just Pastor Tyler doing it. It's all of us collectively engaged around the mission of the church to go make disciples. And I think this is important because we're living in a time where churches have been gathered and they've been scattered and gathered and scattered and gathered and scattered and tossed and turned and all of these things are happening. And then people are finally going to come back to church at some point. They're going to be in service. They're going to be in a sanctuary. They're going to be socially distant apart from each other, wearing masks, not singing songs and wondering, what are we doing? What does the church even exist for? What, what, what is the church all about? And if we're not careful, the church, our church, could even forget or neglect the very mission that Jesus has called us to. And people, as they re-engage with church in 2021, begin to look at the local churches and begin to say, what's the point? What are we doing? Why am I connected and affiliated with this? It's kind of like when you're cleaning out a junk drawer, right? And you have these junk drawers in your house and you're decluttering. I call them a clutter bucket. Maybe you've got these containers at home that just kind of collect things. April says it sounds like a bad word, a clutter bucket. But you see these different things inside and you just, you begin to like, what is this? I don't, you begin to look at it and think, is this a handle? Is this a mount of some sort? And, and, and you're kind of pouring through these buckets or these drawers and finding, th- this looks like a nut and a bolt, but what does it go to? Um, I'm not sure, okay? And then I found, I literally found these in a drawer uh, here at the church. I don't know what this is. I think it's some sort of a mount of some sort, but I don't know, like, what you're supposed to mount on it. There's two screw holes for it. Does it go this way? Does it go that way? I don't know what it holds, why it, why it holds. I don't know. Any, and then this thing. Maybe somebody could educate me on this. I, I, what is this for? I, I don't know what I would latch onto or pull or hold or string. I, what, what do I do with this thing? Right, and, and you begin to look at these things in your drawer, and, and as you're decluttering and cleaning and tidying up, right, you encounter things where you're like, why am I saving this? Why did I buy this? What did this come with? What does it do? And I wonder in this year, as people start re-engaging with the church, if people will begin to look at the local church and wonder, like, what is the point of church? Is it just that we come together? Is it we just socialize with each other? What, what are we doing here? Because the things that we used to be able to do, we can't do anymore. We can't, or we're not drinking coffee, and we're not you know, laying hands on each other and hugging in the same way. We're not singing songs in the same way. We're not sitting in the same way. It doesn't look and feel the same. It looks foreign. It feels odd. It feels different. It's much like pulling this whatchamacallit out of a drawer and just wondering, like, what is that for? And I talk about this idea of people re-engaging with church because in 2020, the reality is people disconnected within the church. Not just our church, churches across the board. The, the Barna organization that does a lot of studies within the local churches across America found that one in three Christians, one in three practicing Christians did not connect with their church during 2020. But the pandemic caused them to disconnect. They didn't stream a service, they didn't attend a service, they didn't check in. One in three completely cut out. For whatever reason, that's the reality. And so I believe in 2021 and 2022, we're going to begin to see some people looking back at the church and wondering, why do I want to be a part of that? 
What's the purpose of what we're doing? And if we're not careful, as we begin to re-enter into in-person gatherings and online gatherings and events and programs and ministries and all of these things that we're you know, looking to in 2021, if we don't have the mission figured out, we don't have the why figured out, it's going to be very confusing. And people aren't going to want to re-engage. I was reading a book called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. The author and pastor named Tom Rayner describes the common characteristics of 14 closed churches that he studied. He studied 14 churches that permanently closed the doors and found some, some similarities between them. And one common sim- similarity was their neglect of the Great Commission. He calls it the Great Omission, right? The Great Commission? No, it was the Great Omission. They stopped living on purpose. They stopped living on mission. And it was this gradual and slow erosion to this value. It wasn't just instantly that they forgot. It wasn't just in one moment they stopped caring about people outside of the church or making disciples. It's just that they gradually and slowly began to turn inward. He refers to it as not a Great Commission amnesia. They didn't forget. It was a Great Commission disobedience. They slowly turned inward and selfish and self-focused and stopped worrying about developing disciples, making disciples, reaching new people. And those churches eventually turned so far inward that their doors closed and their operations shut down and people scattered to other churches. Now, am I fearful that Hub City Church is going to close any day soon? No. I think that recap video shows you we're healthy, we're growing, ministry is happening, we're reaching people, we're, we're seeing and making an impact in our world. I, I'm not scared or fearful of that. What I am concerned about is that as we gradually re-enter into operating as a, a functioning in-person online church, will we gradually compromise the mission for what we're comfortable with? Will we neglect the mission to go make disciples for the sake of being comfortable around our friends, to being in a safe environment with other socially acceptable Christians? And I I tell you what, Hub City Church does not exist to be the coolest, funnest, trendiest, most casual holy huddle in all of Burlington. That's not why we exist. We exist to go make disciples. And I think as we pause and think about the why, it's going to help us to now begin to dream about how. We answer the why. Why do we meet? Why does the church exist? To make disciples. Go raise followers of Jesus, right? And and that's important. But as we look at 2021, the how is going to look different. This is a season where uh, this is an opportunity for new action, new innovative decisions, new programs, new ministries, new ways of doing things. We can't just default to the way it used to be. We've got to be open and open-handed, as I said at the beginning, to new, something new here. And Jesus talks about new. In the New Testament, he says, I came to, bring, to make all things new. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, he's confronted by John the Baptist's disciples because they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, you're not doing it the way we, used to, we usually do it. This is the way we've always done it. You're not doing that. You're not fitting in with our traditions and our fasting and our spiritual, self, spiritual disciplines that we're doing. They're very strict and legalistic. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, confronts them, but he, he answers their response with a parable, and a parable that I think is relevant to us today. Matthew chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. He says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch 
will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. You see, Jesus is ushering in this new covenant between man and God, a new way of restoring relationship. And it's not about animal sacrifices and the temple and, and laws and rules of, Mosaic, uh, of the Moses times and all of these things. He's bringing in something new. And with the new, there's new methods, new strategies, new approaches to ministry. And the old and new don't always mesh. And so when they try to mesh the old and the new, Jesus says, man, you're putting new wine in old wineskins, and what's going to happen? It's just going to burst and make a big mess. It doesn't work, right? It's a useless approach in that way. It's a very messy approach. And, and, and I think that that's relevant to us today. The goal hasn't changed, make disciples. But what has changed is we're in a season where our church is both in a hybrid model of being online and in person. That's new. For us, that's new. It's not new for everybody, but for us, that's new. We're in a new season as a church. And it is a new season to try new things, new innovations, adaption, adaptations of ministries and how we can do these things, right? And, and, and this is the reality that we're in. And if you're watching today, right, you're watching from home or wherever you're at, you're watching a, uh, your church and, and engaging with your services in this way, I want you to know you're a part of this church. Just because you're not in the building during a Sunday service doesn't mean you're somehow inferior or lesser than. You are an integral part of this church which also means you're an integral part of carrying out the mission of your church, which is to go make disciples. And that's going to look different. It's going to be using technology in different ways. It's going to be more in a scattered fashion. It's going to be different. And you're going to have to think creatively of how will you engage the mission of your church? Because the mission hasn't stopped. And the mission doesn't stop. And the mission doesn't exclude you. It includes you. So we've got to find ways where we're not just leaning into, well, this is the way we always used to do prayer. This is, the old, this is the way we always used to do life groups. This is the way we always used to do discipleship and outreach and all of these things. We've got to begin to look towards what is possible, the new wine in new wineskins. I'll give you a, a, a contemporary example of this, and I think it parallels the, the kind of precipice that, that local churches are on, and, and specifically our church can, can learn from it. Uh, you think back to the glory days of Blockbuster back in the 90s, right? I, I, Blockbuster has a special spot in my heart. I used to work at one right, after, right out of high school. And, and in the 90s and early 2000s, Blockbuster was on top of the world. They were a billion-dollar company, tons of money, revenue. Everybody knew what Blockbuster was and, and went there to rent their movies. And then they came to compete with this little tiny company out of Silicon Valley called Netflix, this little company that said, well, we don't want to do a store. We want to mail you your DVD rentals. And so Blockbuster had to compete with that. And they created their own online mail-in program and actually at one point became successful at it. And they tried to make other things to compete with Redbox. They created Blockbuster Express kiosks. I mean, that's real. I never saw one in real life like Bigfoot, but they existed. It was real. I don't know about Bigfoot, though. Anyways, they even tried streaming services. Believe it or not, Blockbuster tried to do streaming, but they partnered with a company, and it didn't really take off because that little company that they partnered with was named Enron. Oh, I guess that didn't work out for them. 
And what they experienced in their, in their company history is Blockbuster had a change of leadership. And this new CEO came in and he said, that's great. You want to do all this online and these kiosks and streaming and all these things. But we're going to get back to what got us here. We're going to go back to the stores. This is the way we used to always do it. And they shut down all the other methods. And they didn't want to adapt and they didn't want to compete and they didn't want to try to push Netflix out. Instead, they just went back to what was familiar. And because of that, because they failed to pivot, they became obsolete. Blockbuster now is, is, is a distant memory. There is literally one Blockbuster in Oregon that's open in all of the country. Billion-dollar company down to one little tiny store. It is a relic. If I talk to, uh, to my kids about Blockbuster, they can't wrap their brain around it. What do you mean there's a whole store with movies? Like, it just didn't make sense. The reality is, if the church doesn't adapt, if the church doesn't pivot, if the church doesn't embrace change and new ways of doing things, we are going to miss people, miss potential disciples in this process. And generations from now, our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids could look back and say, what was the local church doing? They missed it. What do you mean they used to come together and do it this one way? We will become the blockbusters of religion. If we don't pivot, if we don't adapt, if we don't change, if we don't embrace new wine for new wineskins, and, and if we allow nostalgia to dictate the ministry of our church, I, I think we are a church that is willing to take risk and willing to try new things. And if, if we're not careful, much like many, many churches that, that, that go off mission, we allow, well, this is the way we always used to do it. We get locked in on what was. We get locked in on what felt good, what was comfortable, what we experienced, what changed our life. And we fail to pivot and look at, well, what's going to change their life? What's going to reach a new disciple? What's going to reach a disinterested person? What's going to reach a, a curious person that isn't a part of the church right now? So sure, in the past, men's breakfast, women's Bible studies, fall carnivals, life groups and living rooms, potlucks, free coffee on Sunday mornings, right? Uh, discipleship classes in, in the church building. Those all worked. And are they bad? Think about it. Are any of those things bad? No, absolutely not. Could they be in our future? Yes. Right? Yes, they totally could. But should we just default to those things because that's the way we know how it works? Absolutely not. We have to pivot into the embracing technology and trying new things and living in, in a new season and a new way of doing it. I'll give you an example of this because I, I, I believe this example shows you that if we, if we try, if we take risk, if we implement something new, if we live outside of the boundaries of, of what we're familiar with, we will see impact in people's lives. Just last Sunday, we had an opportunity during our in-person gatherings, and it was a time for reflection and answering some questions, and then following the reflection time, we opened it up for anybody to share a story. How have you experienced Jesus in your life? And what was incredible is we had a few gals share. And this happened last week and the week before, too. We had some folks share. And they, they, they kind of pulled back the curtain of what was going on in their life and in their story. They just shared their experiences. And in their honesty, in their vulnerability, and in that moment of sharing their story, the whole room, I mean, there, there just wasn't oxygen. In there. I mean, we were, just, we were all holding our breath because we were just captivated by these stories. Our faith increased. We were impacted uh, hearing these emotional, unscripted, honest stories. These ladies very honestly and very courageously just shared their experiences. 
and everyone in the room was impacted. Everyone's faith increased as they just shared about the faithfulness of God. And I told, I, I told the church this uh, in that gathering last week. I said, if we had just leaned into our traditional liturgy of singing songs and having an announcement video and having a sermon, we wouldn't have had this moment. But see, some of the new guidelines are, are, and we're following those of not singing in person and having a band and all this. We're, we're, we're trying new things. We're being creative. We're living outside of our, our norm. We're trying something new in this new season. And guess what? We had an impactful Holy Spirit moment. That's what I'm talking about. New wine, new wineskins. Adaptation, something new. The future is, is full of so many possibilities for how God wants to cultivate and develop and grow disciples in his church. Let's be excited about this potential. That's the beauty of the Great Commission. Jesus doesn't give us a formula. He tells us what to do, right? He says to go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey. And he tells us where to go. He says to go into all nations, reach all people groups, cultures, ethnicities. He, he tells us those things, but he doesn't give us a formula on how. Look at the Great Commission. Let's throw it back up on the screen. Look at the Great Commission, and, and, and let's look at that together and realize he doesn't tell us how to do it. What does he say? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you look at that, do you see a formula? Do you see him say it has to be in large gatherings? It has to be in a sanctuary? It has to be in small gatherings? It has to be in online gatherings? It has to be in one-on-one -on -one gatherings? No, that's the beauty of it. There is no formula. The ministry can take place in whatever size gathering you want. It can happen in sanctuaries, coffee shops, living rooms, backyards. It can happen on Zoom. We can make disciples on Zoom. Woo! Yeah, that's good. It can happen through sermons and Bible studies and discussions and book talks. It can happen through conversations. It can happen in classrooms. It can happen in prayer meetings and worship nights. It can happen through all of these different venues because Jesus doesn't narrow it down to make disciples through this one method. That's the beauty of this. This is where we get to open our eyes and begin to see that the Great Commission leaves room for you to explore, to adapt, to be creative, to contextualize. It leaves room for you to engage with the mission of Jesus and his church with your passions and your personality. And so I want to end with that question. How will you engage the mission of your church to make disciples this year? How will you engage the mission of your church to make disciples this year? And as we think about that phrase, making disciples, it is helping people grow to be a follower of Jesus in 2021. How are you going to do that? Through the baptism, uh, baptism, teaching, and obedience. To help you remember, it is the experience. How do we help people experience Jesus? How do we help people be educated about Jesus? And how do we help people in their expression of Jesus? Baptism, teaching, obedience. How will you participate in that process with people? And can I challenge you not to just think about your own development as a disciple? That's kind of our default. Okay, where do I need to grow? What do I need to do next? And, and that's important, and I care about your, your development, your process, and your growth this season. But many of you are disciples of Jesus. You're followers of Jesus. You're growing in these things. And we all need to continue to grow and do that. And, and can I also just say, I, I think you grow 
when you walk alongside someone else in their discipleship. It's not just about how you will grow as a disciple, right? But I believe you will grow as a disciple as you engage with others in their pursuit of Jesus to become a disciple. And so how will you make disciples? Who will you reach? There are people in our community that are disinterested. They want nothing to do with church and they want nothing to do with Jesus. They need the gospel. How will we reach them? We've got people in our church and in our community and people around us that are curious. They've got questions. They're viewing. They're spectating. They're stalking us on Facebook, right? Maybe they're even attending. They're kind of on the fringe of this whole thing called Jesus. How do we help them develop and grow as a follower of Christ in their experience and their education and their expression of Jesus? How do we help the young, both young in age and young in faith? How do we make disciples of the young? You see, that's the potential. That's the possibility. That's who we're targeting and all these different people. And and what I want to challenge you in is we could do that in two ways. One, in a gathered setting and two, in a scattered setting. In the gathered setting, I want you to think about how you're going to partner with your church and engage in your church in the programs, ministries, events, things that we're doing both online and in person. That it's not just about you showing up and logging on and joining in the conversation and volunteering but it's about making that connection that your involvement with your church is an opportunity for you to go hand in hand with someone else in their discipleship process. That when you're volunteering, you're actually getting a chance to connect with somebody so that they can mature and develop as a disciple. When you join a book talk, you're engaging in conversation, not just so you grow, but so that they grow. When you're serving in the kids' classroom, you're helping make disciples of people. When you're joining in and RSVPing and and following up and signing up for things, think about who are you going to invite with you? Who are you going to bring with you? Who are you going to involve with you? Who are you going to serve in these ways? So there's a gathered way that we engage the mission. I'll give you an example. One is Friendship House. You know what I love seeing in 2020? You saw 87 people volunteered this year to, to serve meals at the Friendship House. One of the things I saw, this is how we made disciples through volunteering. I saw parents bring their kids and serve food alongside their kids. I saw husbands and wives serving together. I saw roommates serving together. I saw friends serving together. You see, that's not just, oh, I'm going to do this as as a parent. I did this. I brought my kids. I didn't want to just grow as a disciple myself. I brought my kids so that they would grow as a disciple, so they would serve someone else, so they would see a felt need, so it would engage in conversations about why we serve people and do all these things to help other people. It provides teaching opportunities and and opportunities to be selfless. That's what I'm talking about. That's where we make disciples, and it's not just about what I get out of it. It is making disciples so we see other people develop in their faith, in their journey with Jesus. And we do that in a gathered setting. That is something the church put on. That was on the church calendar. That was in the church budget. But what about the scattered world? That is a lifestyle of discipleship. That is a way of life where you make opportunities to make disciples regularly in your workplace, your neighborhood, your home? What are you going to do intentionally to make disciples? And it's never going to be on the church calendar. It's not going to involve the church budget. It's never going to be on our social media page because it's just a lifestyle of you as you're scattered in your world. that You are called to make disciples wherever you're at. And I want to encourage you to do that If you need inspiration, you need ideas, you want to bounce ideas off me, great, let's do that. But 
but don't depend on the church to provide the opportunity. We are called to a lifestyle of making disciples. And I'll give you one example in closing of how I'm trying to do this this year. I am trying to disciple my daughters intentionally. I'm trying to make disciples out of my daughters, help them develop in their faith and in their journey with Jesus. And one way I'm doing that is once a week, I'm sitting down with them and we're reading our Bibles, we're journaling and we're talking. And it's rough at times. It's slow at times. We read like three verses out of a psalm or three verses out of the book of Acts together. And we read that verse and we talk about it. We explain it. We journal about it. But I'll tell you what, it's given me opportunities to speak life into my girls that I never had. It's given me an opportunity to talk about something I care so deeply about, which is the word of God. I love talking to my kids about movies and games and fun and all this. But when I get to sit and I, uh, as, a, as a dad, I just know I'm, I'm living in my calling. My calling is to make a disciple of my daughters. Make disciples. And so it's intentionally just carving out that time once a week to do that. It's never going to be on the church calendar. It's never going to be in the church budget. It's not going to be on social media. How are you going to live a lifestyle of making disciples? How will you engage the mission of your church to make disciples this year? That is my heart. That is my cry. That is my vision for us as we move forward. That as we move forward as a church in this new year that we have no idea what it's going to look like, that at the forefront of what we do, we exist to make disciples of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for a new year. I thank you for our church. I thank you for uh, just that video update and the health and growth and provision and ministry, the life change that is taking place through this church. And I pray for 2021 to be unlike anything we've experienced, God, that we would, we would live with our lives open to you, palms up, ready to say, God, however you want me to make a disciple this year, whoever you want me to make disciples this year. God, that I would engage that mission. I would engage that call and participate in your work in my church, through my church, in my community, wherever, God. May we be a church that lives on purpose and on mission. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.